Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. As the recreational running boom continues in this country, also increasing are instances of women running while pregnant. Attitudes toward running during pregnancy have shifted significantly in recent decades so that today appropriate doses are viewed by medical professionals as not only safe for a mother and her developing child, but also beneficial. But that isn't to say that there aren't potential risks or that pregnancy doesn't bring on new challenges. That much was illustrated by a recent study published in the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy which found that pregnancy altered the running biomechanics of pregnant women and that those changes weren't immediately undone after childbirth. In this episode of Move Forward Radio, we talked to the authors of that study, physical therapists Brian Heiderscheidt and Liz Chumanoff, and to one of the study's participants, Stephanie Hausch. The discussion provides helpful information for women looking to continue running while pregnant or to return to running after childbirth. As always, input from our guests is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. With that, here's our interview with Brian Heiderscheidt, Liz Chumanoff, and Stephanie Hausch. Brian, tell me a little bit about the research you did at the University of Wisconsin and what you found out in your study. So the research we've done at the University of Wisconsin has focused a lot on running-related injuries, and in particular, we had interest over the past several years on how pregnancy influences running as well as how new moms are able to get back to running after pregnancy. And so the research that's been done quite a bit over the last several years has really tried to get us some initial data on what this information looks like. So women who are pregnant, what mechanics happen to their running gait? Is it in terms of are they becoming more or less unstable? Are they shortening their stride? What are just some generalities that we can observe? And what we have found from our initial cases that we've published has been an increase in the amount of, of lumbopelvic motion as someone advances through the pregnancy, so from first to second to third trimester. Again, what we're really interested in as well is how does that uh, recover then once they are no longer pregnant and are able to return to running, say, for example, anywhere from six to several years post-pregnancy. And what we've seen is that some of that motion has recovered, appearing somewhat naturally, and other times it tends to stay elevated. So, Liz, if you can, give me a sense of how this data is gathered, how it's measured, and the range of responses that you're seeing. Sure. So what I did with women, I was really interested to see how their gait changed over the course of their pregnancy and then following in the postpartum period. So what we did is we tried to capture a few women who were fairly early on in pregnancy. I got fortunate enough to get a few women who just had entered their second trimester. We started capturing basically the gait data on them at that point and then followed them every four weeks through their pregnancy. And then following pregnancy, we actually had them come back in as soon as they got to running and then kind of at a six-month time point and then a 12-month time point, which I have for at least one individual at this point. So what we did with each of the visits, we actually took and put a bunch of little instrumented markers on them, and then there's cameras that actually record their motion as they're running on our treadmill for us. And I also looked at walking, too, because walking has been published more in the literature out there, so we were curious to know what we were finding was going to correlate with what was out in the literature but also more interested in that running piece as well because that's really non-existent in the literature at this point. 
So we put all these little instrumented markers on them, put them on a treadmill, and then we're able to record their motions as they're walking and get an idea of what is their hip doing, what is their knee doing, what's their ankle doing. And then the more key factor is what is their pelvis and their low back doing at that time when they're running and see how that changes over the course of pregnancy. So someone like more specific findings, we're seeing that women's amount of motion on the side to side with the pelvis is increasing pretty substantially over the course of their pregnancy. When we bring them back at the first time when they get back to running, that motion still increased post-pregnancy. And then when we bring them back again, even with my one person who has been at 12 months postpartum, her motion was still even increased at that point. So a lot of good data on some just a few individuals at this point, but kind of telling for what's going on with the low back and the pelvis with these women. So essentially, once a woman has had her baby, the adjustments in her running gait that have happened over time when she was running while pregnant last after childbirth. Yes, yes, that's true. So what's happening and what we kind of gather, we don't have exact data or have a, a way to measure this exactly, but we're showing that motion. You think about pregnancy. Pregnancy, a couple things happen. One, you have the growing fetus, so a woman's belly is expanding, and that's placing some stretch on her abdominal muscles. And then the other thing you have going on is you've got some laxity, and that's, of course, necessary for a vaginal delivery if someone's going to bear a child. You have to have that pelvis to be able to stretch and expand. So you've got those two factors working for you. We can't say for sure it's one or the other, but those things aren't setting up a woman so that she can actually get back and stabilize her pelvis well as soon as she's delivered the child because now her abdominal muscles aren't functioning as they were before she got pregnant. And she still has some laxity sticking around, and we don't know how long that persists because many women now choose to breastfeed, and they continue to breastfeed for almost a year, so that laxity may stick around for quite a while. So the, the gait has changed, but does that necessarily mean that a woman is more likely to get injured because her gait has changed, or we just say because there's change in the gait, maybe that has the potential to lead to injury? I think that what the change in that gait we're seeing is not necessarily that you're going to have everybody who's got more motion is going to come in and be injured. It's more of that it actually sets them up that they start doing more of this, like say they're training for a marathon or they're adding a lot more mileage and they're still showing like decreased control. That might set them up for an injury down the road, but not necessarily immediately right after they've had their kid at that point. So from a preventative standpoint, if a woman is pregnant and she is running and she wants to continue running, does the study tell us anything about what she should be doing, potentially prevent some of those changes to her gait, or is that possible? What should a woman do in that scenario? So this is an area of research that we're actually really working on at this point, but some basic recommendations, at least from the case study that we published recently, is that retraining those deep abdominal muscles following pregnancy is pretty key for a lot of women, and I've actually clinically seen that. Women do well with that who've had injuries. They come back, they retrain those muscles, and they can recuperate from that injury based on that. So I think a lot of women now need to think about, okay, I've had the baby, I need to really focus on getting my muscles at least my abdomen and getting awareness of those muscles bring that back in. And I think that's where a lot of PTs can come in and stand in for what I do, for instance, is use an ultrasound image to show them what that muscle looks like, show them where that is, and give them some feedback to that. So I think that's very powerful, and that's something that we should do more and more. But I think it's still in the infancy at this point, and we still don't know enough in information on how that recovers naturally and if we can speed up that process, and that's kind of where we're taking it. And I would say stay tuned for more research that we have on the way on that avenue. Absolutely. Brian, do you have anything to add to that? A lot of this line of research, really where it came out of, was seeing new moms come into a running injury clinic and more or less seeing a common running pattern. They tended to show, as, as already discussed, increased motion of their pelvis side to side. They tend to show a little bit more of, of low back extension when they run. 
there are just some commonalities that tended to emerge, and these were individuals who were also showing kind of standard sorts of running injuries, such as low back pain, uh, some buttock symptoms, high hamstring tendinopathies, knee pain, and it was ones that we felt like we could somewhat modify this. And so when we were treating them in our general owner's clinic, we were modifying how they ran, we were incorporating exercises into a home program for them to utilize, and they tended to respond well. And that's really when we started to launch this bigger research program, which admittedly, as Liz has pointed out, has been a fair few number of people at this time. It's really in its beginnings. So to generalize what everybody should be doing, we really can't make those claims yet, but we hope to be able to have that data in the near future. But I think it really also is important that this is some of the first data that's been published on this area of research or in this area that's really been important to a lot of, of women because at this point in time, there really hasn't been any information to guide what people do during pregnancy or how they can help to reduce some of these pregnancy-related changes, but then also how can they get back to running afterwards. I think hopefully even what little bit we're providing to date will still prove beneficial to many individuals. Even though the research is in its infancy, and of course it's appropriate in this case that it is in infancy, you have seen those commonalities and you did talk about ways that you have treated them and seen success, so take me through some of those. So a lot of the aspects, as Liz has mentioned as well, and I'll ask her to chime in in a little bit, a lot of our work has focused on making sure that the transverse abdominis muscle, one of the deepest of your abdominal wall, is fully returned to a pre-pregnancy functioning state. And really what that means is that you're able to fire the muscle appropriately. It's not that the muscle has necessarily been torn or damaged during pregnancy and doesn't have any sort of structural damage to it, but really the ability to recruit that muscle, to activate it under normal circumstances tends to be somewhat compromised during pregnancy and then also persisting after pregnancy. And so a lot of our home exercise program is really focused on this one this one little muscle that you think you could probably bring into play really easily or do something as simple as your stomach abdominal crunches that you, we've all learned since we were kids. But the reality is those exercises are actually too much for that muscle, and you want to be working on really subtle sorts of recruitment for it. And so Liz has a really nice program that incorporates ultrasound imaging as a feedback mechanism to teach the, the mom how to recruit that muscle in an effective manner so that you're not wasting their time or you're not recruiting other muscles in place of key muscles that we're really targeting. And so that's one of our key muscles, but we certainly are also looking at, at the gluteal muscles, the gluteus maximus, medius, other key lumbopelvic muscles that tend to be somewhat compromised during pregnancy and afterward, whether they're fairly deconditioned or the changes in the, in the mass distribution of the individual tends to modify how these muscles are recruited. That's all, those are all the questions we're trying to answer. But nonetheless, those are muscles where we tend to see either weakness or the ability to recruit the muscle, and those probably go hand-in-hand, hand, is not what it necessarily should be. So, Liz, take me through that program, and also clarify for me, is that a program that can only start after childbirth, or elements of this something a woman who is pregnant can do as well? Yes, yeah, certainly. So the muscle that Brian's talking about, again, is called the transverse abdominis. And basically that muscle, if you look at it from an anatomy perspective, forms kind of a girdle around your belly. So just to give you an idea what happens in pregnancy, as the fetus expands, that muscle has to get stretched out because the belly is getting bigger. During pregnancy, certainly women can try to activate that muscle and get some awareness because it actually, if you look on Wikipedia, which I find kind of funny, it says that it helps push the baby out if you're going to have a vaginal delivery. So I don't know if that's ever been validated or not, but I just find it kind of amusing to me. So you can certainly do it when you're pregnant and bring some awareness to that muscle. That muscle is specifically activated when you exhale. 
So a lot of times what I'll use in clinic is humming. And then when you actually have the baby, getting back into retraining that muscle, a lot of times I start with women who just lying on their back and just say, get in the quiet environment. Even, you know, if you're busy at home, you got to shut the door, close the lights off. And basically, you're just trying to find where is that muscle in my body. In the clinic, I use the ultrasound imaging to basically reinforce it and show them how to activate it so they get that feel in the clinic. But they really have to go home and pay a lot of attention to activating this muscle because it's one that's in particular very important when you're running, for instance. It's supposed to be active all the time to help stabilize the, the hip, the pelvis, and the low back area. And if it's not activated properly, you can see why where someone could be set up where they have excess motion. So I start with basically get a good awareness of that muscle. Where is it at? How can I contract it? Then I start by adding things in like lifting their legs and moving their arms just to see can they keep holding that contraction as they're moving because if you think about it when you're going to go to running, now you're basically going through a series of single leg activities. You've got to be able to hold that muscle without really thinking about it. So you got to first start with the thought process, the real cognitive aspect of retraining the muscle, and then you get them to incorporate into their daily life and do more automatic activation so that when it carries over to running, they're just doing it and not having to think about it so much. When we're talking about activating that muscle, are we talking about something closer to ab crunches because we're talking about the abdominals? Are we talking about something closer to a pelvic floor exercise like a Kegel? What, what are we talking about? Yeah, so, you know, a Kegel is a good way for a lot of people to in that muscle specifically. We're not talking about a big ab crunch, and I have to explain to a lot of patients that when you do a crunch, you're going to activate a lot of other muscles that we don't want. So specifically, we're not looking for the obliques. We're not looking for the big muscle, the six-pack muscle in the front, the rectus abdominis. This one lays below all of those. So it's not even a crunch. It's more of just feeling like your belly button drawing in. And a lot of people respond to that cue very well. However, there's some people that just can't get it, and that's where the ultrasound piece is very nice. You can also get it with other cueing, like I said, with the humming thing. As you exhale, you actually will pull that muscle in, and that's just to help push the rest of the air out of the lungs, so you can get it that way. Pelvic floor contraction certainly can bring it in. If you use the analogy of the pelvic floor contraction, that's kind of the level of feel or kind of the activation of the muscle that you're getting. It's nothing where you're going to get a sweat-provoking exercise going or anything like that. It's really just this real subtle, as someone explained it to me once, feel the graham cracker below the marshmallows, kind of like a feel, a little bit of a tightening of a muscle underneath your, your soft tissue on your skin right on inside of your hips. So let's pause there now from the physical therapy's perspective and get a little patient perspective. Stephanie House, you ran while you were pregnant. Take me through, first of all, your experience running while pregnant. What challenges did you have? How did you feel? And, and how did that, maybe those challenges continue after childbirth? Well, since it was my first pregnancy, it was surprising to me how it could affect me. In my profession, I'm a strength and conditioning coach, so you know, used to doing many things with lifting heavy weights and running was something that I love to do cardiovascularly for my body. So for me, it was, like I said, a little bit of a shock at first, and I knew I, was, I wanted to keep running as long as I could with regards to the pregnancy, but for me, it was surprising how much more, you know, just that extra weight in the front and, and carrying affected my knee, my right knee, I was having pain there, and just the core itself just was hard then to kind of keep that maintaining that so that I wouldn't have any other, you know, issues with regards to any lower back or hip issues or anything like that. But it was just, like I said, for the first time, time being pregnant and everything, it was a big surprise for me. So how many miles were you running a week, say, before you got pregnant, and how challenging was it to keep your mileage? What did you attempt to do, and did you have to back off? 
Before I was pregnant, I was probably averaging around 15 miles a week, but maintaining that because I actually signed up for a half marathon, actually, when I was about 20 weeks pregnant. And then I did a few races before that. I was getting the mileage up there, but then as my pregnancy went on, I did actually back down. I think even when I was going in and seeing Liz, we had to drop it down to almost just a light jog or even a walk. Once I kind of got later on in my pregnancy, probably around seven, eight months or so, I was more so just walking. I wasn't even running anymore. So, you know, just the weight and everything was just, it was tough for me to kind of keep going with the running. And more so than the bladder issue as well. And that kind of was another factor. Absolutely. So when you started doing physical therapy, was it a knee problem? You mentioned that. I mean, what was the reason that drove you to seek medical attention? It was a knee problem. That was kind of the big thing. I didn't want to be running with any pain. When Liz told me about the running clinic, I was like, yeah, I want to see where I'm at. There are things that I can do to help it, and which it has. Going in and doing the PT just to get my the transverse abdominis back was it was a big thing because that gave me you know stabilization and then also my gait itself. I was actually overstrider, so just having Brian check out my gait and working on that um, has helped with relieving the the knee pain. So it's been good. How long did it take you to feel post-pregnancy that you had gait that felt comfortable to you, that you had a knee that felt strong? What was that process like? It took me probably a few months once I could actually start getting back into running and stuff like that. You know, I worked on getting the transverse abdominis stronger, just doing the exercises that they told me to do, and also working on getting my glute meds and doing some PT work there as well to strengthen that area to help with the knee was good. I also got back into lifting once I came back to work, so that helped out too, I think, with some of the knee pain as well, just getting my quad and hamstring better as well. So, But the PT, it was nice to see, you know, what muscles I needed to contract and how to contract them by going there and having Liz do some ultrasound work and actually visually seeing the, the muscles when they were contracting when they're not so that I could then I would feel it and then I'd look away and then try to do it on my own, and then it just helps visually to see it. So that inspires a question. Obviously, women are running while pregnant more often than they did, say, 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. What is the rule of thumb now on how long a woman can run while pregnant? And then also after birth, how long should a woman wait before she attempts to get back into running? And what are the steps she needs to take? So the first part of the question is how many miles to be able to run during pregnancy safely. I think it's a great question and one that we're still trying to find the answer to. You know, we've pursued this from a number of avenues. In particular, I think probably the, the best approach is we've, we're following the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists. Their guidelines at this point, I mean, they certainly are the experts in this area. It comes to fetal health, at least, to be able to get an understanding of are we putting the fetus at any sort of risk by changing how the person runs or, or, or the mother any risk. And their guidelines are fairly vague as to what they recommend. You know, historically, they used to talk about not letting your heart rate exceed a certain threshold or not letting your body temperature exceed a certain threshold. And while the latter might still have some merit to it, I think the rule of thumb, at least, short of having a thermometer in your mouth to monitor your temperature at all times, is just kind of making sure that your your running mileage doesn't increase when you are pregnant. In other words, don't necessarily try anything new. During pregnancy, if you historically have been a runner, then it's generally considered safe for you to continue running during pregnancy. Of course, there are always red flags that come up if there's any sort of bleeding or a shortness of breath gets out of hand or if your energy is at an all-time low, if you're dizziness, if you have chest pains, headache, a number of symptoms that start to become markers that running might be too much. 
But in general, the thought is that if you have been a runner, you should be safe enough to continue running, provided you also don't increase your mileage and also decide to run your first marathon that you've never done before. Then it becomes a little bit of a concern. And safe running up until when? Or does that vary? Is there a month seven cutoff? Is there a month five for some women and month eight for others? Or is there a rule of thumb there? And again, there's, there is no hard and fast cutoff. You know, some women run the morning they deliver. Others, as Steph mentioned, it became too uncomfortable as it got later in the pregnancy. So maybe the second trimester or early third trimester is kind of the time when you decide to say, okay, that's enough for me. There's that balance of running because you don't have any symptoms and everything's fine, and so you can do that. Our interest as well as what Liz has alluded to is because of the muscular changes, the changes in joint laxity that are occurring, we want to make sure that women who are running into their second trimester or third trimester aren't exposing them to some level of risk for injury that may create some future issues. And so that's what we're trying to be able to define further, and hopefully we will at some point in the future. So it's essentially expanding the scope from just thinking about, am I safe from a childbirth perspective and is my child safe, to really looking at the pregnant woman as you would look a standard runner, a standard athlete runner who you don't want to expose to new knee or hip injuries, et cetera. Yeah, that's exactly right. It is a unique patient, certainly, in the sense that it isn't just this person and their symptoms you're dealing with. You're dealing with this fetus and the growing child that we need to consider as well and many other physiological processes that are changing that may not necessarily be the case in your more standard orthopedic low back or hip patient. But nonetheless, we also don't want to completely treat the pregnant mother as this person who is so fragile that they can't do these types of exercises. Exercise during pregnancy is strongly recommended. It's just a matter of finding that balance as to how much you exercise, and if running fits your history of exercise and activity, then let's certainly keep you running, but make sure that we're doing so in a safe manner. Liz, do you want to take me through, after childbirth, what a mother who has just been through this experience is probably not getting a lot of sleep, what she should be doing in terms of creating a plan to get back to running, and what's too soon? Sure. So, like Brian had mentioned about the guidelines during pregnancy, again, we try to default and find some guidelines out there that's published by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And really, their guideline right now stands that you are safe to return to activity pretty much that four- to six-week range after having a kid. And that's their recommendation, and they say resume gradually. And that's unfortunate for a lot of women. I think, at least clinically, I found a lot of them are frustrated with that guideline because it's not very specific. And two, you've also got a lot of individual differences. So someone who's had a C-section looks very different than someone who's had a vaginal delivery. So you have to have those factors to consider. Probably the most important thing is is that, you know, first of all, you want to run. That's supposed to be not stress-provoking, but it should be stress-relieving. So that's one of the things they also mention in their guidelines as well. You don't want to add this undue stress onto a new mom who's already got to care for an infant. But we also know that if a new mother gets back to their exercise program more quickly, then they'll actually have a reduced risk for that postpartum depression. So those are a lot of things that are playing a role there. In terms of their abdominal muscle recovery, the stuff that we've seen, at least on some of the published studies, is that there's some abdominal muscles that aren't even recovered a year postpartum. That doesn't mean to say that you can't be running for that whole year. What we're saying is is that you need to start gradually resuming your activity and making sure that you're feeling comfortable. You're not trying to go out for a five-mile jog and you're six weeks out of having the delivery. You might want to consider a walk-run program at that point. Gradually build yourself up. It may be frustrating at first that you have to do a lot more walking than running, but it's going to get you back there a little bit better, I think. 
and then also working on doing some more of the core muscle work and trying to find out where those muscles are again so that when you get back to running that you're just as strong as you were before you got pregnant. What should a woman look out for that maybe she has taken on too much too soon? Are there warning signs? Well, I think their body will tell them when they've taken on too much. For instance, you're going to end up with like knee pain, hip pain, or back pain. If you're getting pain when you're running, then you're probably taking too much on yourself. You also have to think about it when you start caring for an infant. A lot of people tend to do all their cares on one extremity. Like if you're right-handed, you tend to stick them on your left side so that you can have your right hand free. So you have to watch out for those things and making sure that you're like, oh, my back feels a little achy now. It may not just be a little achy and then it gets worse as you run. It might be actually indicated that you're not ready to do a higher load activity that running is because running is a higher impact than, say, walking or even just doing household chores. So you really, at that point, you really have to listen to your body and, and be aware of kind of where you're feeling. If you're having a pain and if it's kind of a consistent basis, it's always occurring with one activity that's a higher impact then it's something you should probably get in and get evaluated for by a professional. Stephanie, if somebody's gone through it, you mentioned it was your first pregnancy. If you had to do it over again, would you do something differently, either in the pregnancy stage or after childbirth, in terms of how you approach running? I would just say I would try to keep up some type of strength work or core work, depending on you know how the pregnancy is going. And I think that was something going into my pregnancy. I think it was good that I, you know, being in the profession I am, I think helped me to be able to come back a little bit faster. Now, like, I feel my running's going really well and I've decreased my mile time. It's helped me just being able to just have that strength to be able to run a lot better. So I think with that, I would just keep doing some type of strength work, core work, as the pregnancy goes on. It's helped me to come back faster than what I or thought I would have. From someone who's been through it, what would your advice be to a first-time mom, somebody who's pregnant for the first time and wants to keep running? Like I said, just try to do as much as you can for as long as you can. Don't get frustrated. Once you get into later in your pregnancy, if it's only a mile or two, at least you've done something. Like if there's any other things that you can do to kind of to keep yourself going, I would highly recommend being in the weight room and doing a few body weight stuff or, you know, with the running stuff, even if it's just a run-walk type thing. I think that's going to help you out in the long run. I think still doing the strength work will, you know, help you get back into running after pregnancy a lot quicker than not doing anything at all. Brian, basically the same question for you. If somebody's pregnant and trying to figure out how long she can keep running, what general rule of thumb do you think she should have and, and what her approach should be? Yeah, the general rule is certainly when symptoms come up that we need to make some sort of a change. So let's assume that they stay symptom-free, then I would say just kind of keep your normal running plan in place with the expectation that you're not going to add anything new into it, as we've mentioned before. But now if symptoms were to arise, I think the other important aspect is it doesn't mean that you have to stop running. It means that we need to try to address what may be contributing to the symptoms. You know, we've talked quite a bit about the value that strength that the exercises has that Liz focuses on in terms of your transverse abdominis, your posterior hip musculature, your gluteus maximus, and so forth. But I think that what goes along with that just as much is that we actually recommend pregnant moms change how they run, that they modify their running gait. So as Steph pointed out, we identified in her case that she was overstriding a bit, and so we made recommendations and trained Steph to try to take shorter strides to make sure that she wasn't landing quite so far ahead of herself because we found in our research that that overstride pattern really increases the amount of load that's imparted onto your body from your knee joint to your hips to your low back. And so if you now couple this excessive load with the extra mass that the person is now carrying because they're pregnant with the weakness, 
you've kind of had this recipe for, yeah, uh, you're going to be hurt and you're going to have some problems. And so we certainly want to address the weakness factors, but we found that we can actually enable people to maintain fairly reasonable running schedule without symptoms if we can just reduce the amount of load that they take in when running. And many times it might be a shorter stride, that might be changing up how they land at contact, maybe not so hard on their heel, soften that a little bit, not bounce up and down quite as much. There's a lot of different verbal cues as well as visual cues that we'll provide patients to teach them how to run softer, essentially. So Liz, essentially as we're looking at this data, we've talked about potential risks for injury, but the takeaway message is, is that now we're getting more data that gives us more clarity into how women can safely continue running through pregnancy and after childbirth. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the research, while like we said before, that it's just in its infancy, we are certainly learning a lot of things. We're learning how maybe exercises should be incorporated into a woman's postpartum visit at that six-week time point that they see their, their health professional that's been following them through their pregnancy. So we're certainly getting a lot of good information and not saying that women shouldn't be running. We're just saying that maybe there's some factors we need to consider at this point. And do you have any parting advice? Well, I think as a, as a mom who's got have been through three kids, you know, I think we all just need to take a step back and say, when you get back into running, you got to take it slow and make sure it's a fun activity for you because that's really what you're after is hope that it gets you through those stressors of all the child care that you have to look forward to and, you know, you want to run and want to keep yourself running for, for a long time. Liz Chumanoff, Brian Heiderscheidt, Stephanie House, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com slash radio.